We are gathered here to celebrate the light. The light that was born over 2,000 years ago. The light that brought hope, love, joy and peace. The light that was given to us, but is not meant only for us. It is a light that longs to be reflected. Sent out shining into the darkness, so all may come to know it. This light is God's love for us. His love for all. This light is Jesus. Not for Bethlehem, there would have been no Calvary or no empty tomb, no day of Pentecost, no us, no church. It all began when Christ was born. Not necessarily December 25th, but if you study the stars and the movement of the stars and where the star Bethlehem would have been if, if the current bodies, celestial bodies, were present and it was their movements and lining up that created that star, then it very well could have been December 25th. Those that use uh, astronomical, not, not astrological, but astronomical software have dialed back in their software projecting current star and planet movements back to how things were at that day where something like a star of Bethlehem could have appeared. It very well could have been December 25th or somewhere around that time. Uh, but to me, that's neither here nor there. The fact is, he was born, amen? And yet it didn't start there. It started before the world was. Christ was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. It started prophetically when God promised, promised the first woman that in her seed, the head of the serpent would be bruised and his heel would be bruised. It continued prophetically through Abraham when God instituted a relationship with him and promised to make him a mighty nation and that he would have uh, their children's concerns as his heart. And so uh, he would protect them, he would discipline them, and through them the nations of the world would be blessed, the families of the world would be blessed through his seed, singular, which is another prophecy about the Messiah coming. And so here we're going to look at Matthew 4, Christ's Earthly ministry is really going to kick off here in verse 12 through 17. It says, now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum or Capernaum, which is by the sea, that's by the Galilean lake, in the regions of Zebulon and Naphtali, those are two Jewish tribes, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, now, what does that have to do with Christmas? It has everything to do with it because this prophecy is a precursor to the famous Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. So here's what the prophet said. The land of Zebulon, the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. 
and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So here's that part of the world where he was ministering. And this is before that. This is related to that prophecy. So we'll look at that in a minute. All right, Isaiah chapter 9. Did you find that? The context here is judgment has been pronounced upon the people of God. And uh, God, all he had to do to judge his people is just back off his protection. They had so many enemies that hated them. uh, They would be conquered by somebody else and they would learn to fear the Lord and to serve only him. And uh, this part of the world was under judgment for some things that you can read about in Isaiah chapter 8. Nevertheless, in spite of what's happened, uh, here's the prophecy. The gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. In other words, this gloomy prophecy that has been given in the previous chapter is not going to stay there, all right? As when at first he, God, lightly esteemed the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her. Okay, so this, this, glue, this gloom of God lightly esteeming them and allowing oppression to come upon them isn't going to stay. By way, and here's the part of the world where it's going to be, by way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. And then here's the prophecy that Christ's ministry fulfilled. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death upon them a light has shined. So this is the ministry of Jesus. Uh, When Israel was conquered by the Assyrians coming down out of Nineveh and and neighboring communities, this Assyrian empire was being built. The first place of Israel they attacked was the Galilean region. In fact, they conquered them. You know, if you're going to conquer an enemy, you're going to be strongest right on the front end of your attack. You're going to go for it with all your might. And maybe as the war continues, you grow weaker as your enemies provide, uh, you know, defenses and you, your resources are depleted. So this part of Israel got slammed the hardest by this judgment that was upon them. If you look in the picture there, you see Damascus. All right, go below it. Uh, there's Samaria. Well, between Damascus and Samaria is this little lake, the Galilean region. That part of Israel, the northern kingdom, got slammed the hardest and lots of their young people were carried away captives. What you would do if you were an evil dictator and you conquered another land, you would take their young people out and school them in other parts of your empire. Seek to purge their culture out of them so that your empire could grow not only in influence but so that you could break the will and spirits of the old people left behind so that you could establish some new kingdom, right? So that they don't keep rising up and having revolutions and rebellion. But little did they know, Jews have a covenant with God through their father Abraham. And when they return, when they repent, he returns to them with great blessing. And so here is this prophecy that these people who were slammed the hardest are going to get blessed. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. So this is a prophecy that was fulfilled in Matthew 4 when Jesus really kicked off his public ministry primarily in the land 
called Galilee. And here's the prophecy, here's the blessing that's coming upon them. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. That's a joyful time. Can't you imagine what it was like to see the blind seen and the lepers cleansed and the sick healed? What a joyous time. As men rejoice when they divide the spoil, that is when there's victory, there's joy in the house. If, if your family is a cowboy fan and, and the cowboys win, there's rejoicing in your house, right? Hallelujah. You, you win your bets. I'm not encouraging you to, to do that, but it's a time of victory. This is what Jesus' ministry did was it brought spiritual victory to the people. There was great joy in this land that had been slammed so hard. For you have broken the yoke of his burden the staff of his shoulder and the rod of his, the rod of his oppressor as in the day of Midian. Now, Midian had conquered Israel previously under the days of the judges. You can read about that story. A man named Gideon, God, ro- God raised up and with 300 men conquered tens of thousands of enemies. And that was a joyous day in their history. And so that kind of day is coming back, but this time it's going to be spiritual victory. The Son of God was coming to deliver them from the power of Satan. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle, verse 5, and the garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. So the things they were used in previous warfare, because of their oppression, they wouldn't have to anymore because their Redeemer was coming to bring light into the land of shadows of death. And because of this prophecy, here comes the rest of it. 4, verse 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, From that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Who in this room has had a relationship with Jesus that has changed your life? You have tasted this prophecy. The oppression, the spiritual oppression that was upon you was broken off. No longer does Satan and his minions have lordship over you. You've been brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Maybe, you, maybe you've stumbled lately and dabbled back in some dark ways. Don't stay away. Come back into the light and let the Lord wash you off again and show you how not to do that. Show you how to walk free of stuff. Don't play the hypocrite either and try to live in both worlds. Follow the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you get off track, get back up and get some help. Come on back home. That's been you Welcome home. No parent raising children who are learning to walk would scold them for falling down. Now, I told you not to walk like that. Don't be so pigeon-toed. They can't help it. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Who's seen his light? Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness... On them, light has shined. So dark was this region of the world before the Assyrian attack, they were consulting the dead. Witchcraft, dabbling in some deep, dark stuff. 
God had told them, don't do that. The law had said, never do that stuff. So if you're tempted to dabble in witchcraft, that is not God's will. Well, it's good witchcraft. Um, I, uh, I, I, um, I'm learning how to control the elemental spirits of the earth. Don't buy that. They're real. They'll let you think you're controlling them. But one day, things will change. The tables will turn, and they'll be taking away your will to live. You'll find yourself despairing of life. What's happened? The demons have come back to cash in their chips. Anytime you see a suicide, it's either mental illness, which is very real, or it's demonic activity because it goes so against the way God made us. And they're out to rob us of our will. So you may think you're getting great power, but you're actually you're going to lose it in the long run. Don't do that. Come into the light. Get away from the darkness. Burn those books. Tear up those tapes. Don't go to those events. Follow the light. That was for somebody. It wasn't in my notes. Light them up Sunday is coming. This is an effort not just to bless people, but to, to, to excite us to do something on our own as families and as believers to bless others, especially during this season. So I hope it's more than just an event, but I hope that it becomes part of our culture to do this in Christmas seasons and all seasons because we live in a world full of darkness, people who need the light of God's love. And too often do we see so-called Christians out picketing and, and uh, telling people that God hates fags and God hates them and on street corners telling them they're liars and fornicators and they're going to burn in hell forever when they already know that. They need to know that God loves them, cares about them, and wants to redeem them from that stuff. We want to light them up for Jesus, illuminating our community with acts of kindness. But first of all, it starts with us. A light that shines the farthest shines the brightest nearest home. Amen? So if we're going to light them up for Jesus, before we can light them up, understand how the word light them up used to mean, before we can light them up, we must be lit up. Can I get lit and be a Christian? Yes, you can. I'm going to tell you how. Like the moon lighting up the night sky, so are we to light up this dark world, reflecting the light we receive, we have received and are going to receive, past, present, and future, from God. We're like the moon. We are to reflect the goodness that God has done to us. Freely we have received, freely we give. So here's the sermon. The next few minutes, I'd like to speak to you on how to live lit up for God. Who would like to know that? First of all, is receive the light that is life in Christ. John begins his gospel with these words. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. The life was the light of men. In Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 9 That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. Verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. So we're not talking about just good works. We're talking about receiving the light that God has for us and then helping other people to discover that light. 
through acts of kindness. Secondly, we want to, if we're going to stay lit up for God, we want to live in light of who you are in Christ. In Christ, you're more than a conqueror. If you live in light of who you were, you're not going to shine much. If you believe you're a loser, you're no good, you're never going to amount to anything because some authority figure in your past told you that, come into the light of God's word that says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Billy Bob in the front row is no longer the ex-con. He's the mighty man of God. Live in light of who you are, who he's making you. Avoid living under the influence of darkness. Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. If, if you're in a social setting where people start getting drunk and that is a temptation to you, get away from it. Because where drunkenness occurs, sin is close by because it affects our IQ and we begin to make decisions we'll regret. Prisons are full of people that did things under the influence of something that they would not have done if they were in their sane mind. And most of them would not have done what they were doing if others weren't doing it as well. It's true. So watch out who influences you. Don't be influenced by darkness. The way light operates, this room is dark, turn the lights on, darkness leaves, right? Comedian said, what's the speed of dark? It's as fast as the speed of light. It flees. Shine by being different from the world. Be willing to be seen as different. Philippians 2, verse 14 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing. Everything. Boy, that's different, isn't it? Our culture of entitlements, people are whining all the time. (laughs) Do everything without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. This little light of mine, this great light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. We shine by being different. Obviously, if, if something offensive is happening, go to the person who's the source and do something about it. Don't tell the whole world how sorry somebody is. You'd be just like the world. They whine about stuff all the time and never go to the real person that's the culprit. Be delivered from the power of darkness. There is a thing called deliverance that is the children's bread. Colossians 1, verse 12 says, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us. He's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Verse 13 He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His light. We've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, but sometimes darkness has a hold on us. Maybe we've given an opening to Satan somewhere to have an advantage over us, or maybe there's something we believe that is just not true and it's affecting our walk with Christ. Or maybe we have a hurt that just hasn't been healed that affects the way we see life. There's ministry available to you. Pursue it. Get help. Pursue prayer. Get answers. If someone's hurt, you go to them and get the reconciliation that needs to occur or take place so darkness has no power in your life. 
and be willing to freely give what you have freely received from our Lord Jesus Christ. Freely you have received, Jesus said, freely give. He's given us so much love that there's no way we don't have love to give. Yeah, but you don't know what it's like. I don't, but he does. And he's ready with love for you to come to the throne of grace to find help and mercy in time of need, Hebrews says. He's freely given us the strength that we need when we go to him so that we can strengthen others. This is, a, this is a powerful point here. If we want to live a life that's lit up for God, we've got to live a life that is free from wanting to keep secrets because there's not really any such thing as a secret. Look at what Jesus said. There's nothing hidden which shall not be revealed. This is in Mark 4. Nor has anything been kept secret but that it should come to light. Don't be shocked by WikiLeaks. That person who promised not to tell that you gave a secret to is just itching now. Now they're vulnerable to temptation to tell. Just make them mad or do something they don't understand and they're tempted to tell. You've heard that silly story of three preachers out fishing. One was a priest, one was a Baptist, one was a Pentecostal. And they said, you know, brothers, we really need to be accountable. And the word says, confess your faults to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. The priest said, I'll go first. I'm tempted to refill. You know, at the end of communion, we have to empty the contents of the cup of wine. And I'm tempted to refill it three or four or five or six times and open another bottle. And I'm concerned that I'm becoming an alcoholic. I need some prayer. The Baptist preacher said, I'll, I'll go next. He says, I'm tempted by money. And when I see those offering plates in the, in the safe and I know they haven't really been logged into the books, I'm tempted to go in there and look for, you know, a couple 20s or whatever and just kind of help myself unaccountable income. And I need prayer. The Pentecostal preacher was real quiet said, are you tempted by anything? He said, yes. Well, what's your problem? He says, I, I, I'm tempted to gossip. In fact, in fact, I can't wait to get off this boat so I can make some phone calls. <laughs> if you're Pentecostal, don't be offended. I was raised that. So they get to be the brunt of my jokes. To live lit up for God, lighten up. Come on, lighten up. Stop worrying about everything. You can't fix everything. You know, I forgot what the statistics are, but a big substantial part of the things we worry about, we can do nothing about. And a big part of that, the things we're tempted to worry about, never happen. And things that do happen, we couldn't have changed it. I had a friend that did believe. Notice I said had he's no longer with us today. He abused his pills because of depression and he, he didn't make it to his 60th birthday. But he believed he had to worry. 
and that when things did work out, it was a good thing that he worried because if he hadn't worried, it wouldn't have worked out. That belief got him. Not with us today because of that. Lighten up. Let yourself enjoy the light that God has given you. If he's promised you eternal life, then you're going to outlive all your problems. Your troubles are temporary. This too shall pass. Don't you remember being afraid in kindergarten? Oh, it was the end of the world, right? Maybe you were fearless then. But the normal folks, you know, there's some scary times as little kids. But it all worked out, didn't it? This is the same thing. It's going to work out. The story's just not over. If you want to skip ahead to the end of the book, you're going to see that you're more than a conqueror. You win. And finally, to live lit up for God, brighten the corner where you are. It's not just people in the dark regions of the world, thousands of miles away that you can't get to that you say, well, you know, I'm here. No, there's people around you that need some love, need some light. Even if you are in darkness because of attacks that have come against you, there's people around you that you can still make a difference. This is John McCain, one of our nation's military heroes, got caught in the Vietnam War thrown in prison, and at night they would tie his hands behind his back and with the same rope wrap it around his neck and then tie it to his ankles as tight as they could so that at night with his hands behind his back, his head was like between his knees. That's how he would sleep at night. And when running for president years later, this is after he was freed, notice him on crutches still getting healed up. He may still have physical problems today. Isn't there a hand he can't raise up all the way? Yeah, it's just horrible experience for him. There he has been greeted by President Nixon upon being freed. Um, when he was running for president eight years ago, he was a uh, little over eight years ago, he was questioned by Time Magazine as to his faith. And he said, yeah, I have faith. Um, when I was a POW in Vietnam, my captors would tie my hands like I described behind my back and I would be left throughout the night, very uncomfortable He said, but one night a guard came into my cell, put his fingers to his lips, signaling to me, signaling for my silence, and then he loosened my ropes and relieved my pain. The next morning, however, before his shift ended, he returned and retightened the ropes so no one would know without saying a word to me. A month or so later, on Christmas Day, I was standing out in the dirt courtyard And that guard, without a word, came and stood by me and drew a shape of the cross in the dirt with his sandaled foot. And he said, wordlessly, we stood looking at the cross, remembering the true light of Christmas, even in the darkness of a Vietnamese prison camp. That was a guard living in darkness, shining what light he could. If he did any more or any, anything different, maybe McCain would have been killed and him too. Who knows? But he was shining what light he could. He was making an effort to be an encouragement and it ministered to an American POW. 
So what corner are you on? You may be on the corner of trouble and hard times. There's somebody there that could use some encouragement. Out of your need, minister encouragement to someone else and you will find yourself getting encouraged. You'll find yourself thinking, man, this is good stuff I'm saying. I'm going to get the tape myself. And if everything's fine where you are, your life's just the way you want it. Don't sit back on your laurels and think, too bad for you. No, go look for somebody to bring the light of God's love to. In his book, Crazy Love, Francis Chan writes about this kind of thing. And he talks about this family, the Robinson family, with three children, the time of the writing of the book, age 10. And I forgot what the middle child's age was, and the youngest was three. And on Christmas mornings, instead of focusing on presents under the tree, they would leave those for later. The family, together as a team, would make pancakes and coffee, get in the car, and head downtown. Once there, they would take out the pancakes and coffee and eating ware, and with the help of a little red wagon, they would load it up and let the three-year-old help pull it down the empty streets of the downtown city where they live looking for homeless people. Who's, who's ever driven on Christmas Day? There's not much activity, man. You talk about standstill, not much. So homeless people really don't have any, you know, anybody to, to give them any fellowship or any encouragement or anything. And so they're looking, and sure enough, somebody will appear, and they will serve them a warm and filling breakfast. And they do this all morning long. You may think, those poor kids... No, all three of them look forward to this every year. And they've been doing it for years now since the book's been written. To give a bit of tangible love to people is so filling, you get more blessed yourself than the people you're blessing. What is God saying to you? Can we just bow our heads? What would the Lord say to you to shine the light of his love? And we're talking about going beyond what we're doing here next Sunday, but what is he saying to you? What, what could your kids uh, be involved in that would teach them that Christmas is about giving, not so much about getting, that would bless others as well as your own 